The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. As we continue to sit here, <clears throat> in order to settle more deeply into the sitting, <clears throat> you might start over again, gently taking a few long, slow, deep breaths to feel your breathing <clears throat> as a connection, as a tether to your body in the present moment. Taking in a deep breath and feeling like a supportive connection, supportive massage from the inside. And then as you exhale, <clears throat> to relax, settle in, let go. As you exhale, <clears throat> letting go of your thoughts and concerns. So you're letting go into your body to be here in whatever experience you have of being in a body. Letting your breathing return to normal. taking time to scan through your body, to familiarize yourself with what the experience is like now of the body. <clears throat> the experience of the head being the head the shoulders as the shoulders, the rib cage and chest, the belly as a belly, the arms and hands as that, And the legs and feet, as legs and feet. If there's places in the body you could relax, soften. It might be nice to spend a few moments relaxing, softening the face or the shoulders, the belly.
and maybe you can't stop your thinking, but you can give your attention the energy of awareness to being present in your body more than the energy of awareness going into thinking. Letting the thoughts recede to the background. So awareness can be used to experience the fullness of being in a body. The fullness of breathing. Maybe you can't let go of your thoughts, but you can let go of your interest in them. Let go of the energy that goes towards them, the involvement with them, and let your involvement be with your breathing. Let your involvement be with an open awareness to your body, heightened awareness, sensitivity to the simple experience of being here in a body, breathing in and breathing out. And then for the last part of this sitting, I'd like to offer you something to reflect on, contemplate. Not so much maybe in thinking, it might require some, but in feeling your way in, sensing your way to an answer to this question. And that is if you stay grounded and present for yourself and your body and the way you are now, connected to yourself. What would it be like for you from this place to listen to someone else speak? You were sitting with a friend or with someone one-on-one. What would it be like for you to listen? How would you listen? 
What would it be like to listen in a settled, connected, in a way where you're settled and connected to your own body? Taking in not just the meaning of the words, but listening or taking in the full experience of the person you're with. And if you can stay settled, aware, connected, mindful in a grounded way, what do you think it would be like for you to speak to someone from this place, to enter into conversation and talk? Staying all the t- all the while while you talk, stay connected and grounded in your body, in your mindfulness. What would that be like? And if you could remain settled, connected to yourself, aware, mindful, breathing in and breathing out, mindful of your body, while also attending to the person you're talking with. How would this, what would would be the influence of this grounded place, this settled place? on your ethics, on the choices you make about speaking for ethical speech. How would this sensitive, this mindful place, how might it influence the kind of speech that you would be engaged in
Good morning <clears throat> and welcome to our Dharma practice day. And uh, we're in the middle of a s- series of these Fridays this year on the theme of um, mindful approach to living an ethical life. And um, the uh, basic uh, approach to ethics in this class, this program, is that uh, it's possible to use mindfulness or have mindfulness be the foundation for our ethical choices, the choices of how we speak and act in the world. Um, and it's a very different to come from a kind of, to, to make choices in the world ethically from have a certain kind of ethical sensitivity that we have, from being sensitive and mindful of what's going on, than it is to use um, rules, commandments, to use external guidelines for our behavior. That something inside of us can evaluate, understand the situation um, in a very different way if we are mindful, mindful in a strong, sensitive way, than if we just have to think our way through about what's the right and the wrong thing to do. And so um, <clears throat> the overarching kind of framework for this, these Fridays for this year is what the Buddha called the Ten Skillful Actions. And these Ten Skillful Actions are the primary ethical guidelines the Buddha gave for people interested in the path of awakening, liberation. The most common ethical guidelines that people know in our tradition are the five lay precepts. But the lay precepts are seldom connected to the path of liberation itself. It's more connected to living wisely, a wise life. But the ten skillful actions are the ethics of, of liberation. They overlap some. The first four are the same. But then they change from there. And so we've now gone over, um, we did one day on both, the, the, which is the first in both lists, uh, the not to kill, the second in both lists, which is not to take what is not given, the third in both lists, which is not involved in sexual misconduct. And now we come to the uh, fourth, which is still the same in both lists, which is um, not to lie. And after this, uh, the ten skillful actions changes from the five precepts. And uh, the next three, after not lying, also, con- also concern speech. And they involve uh, not having divisive speech, not having harsh speech, and not having um, idle speech. Um, no, that's not right. Uh, having uh, divisive speech or malicious speech, harsh speech, or gossip. The idle one is a different list. And... Um, the um, um, so there's a much higher emphasis put on speech and caring for our speech, being careful for our speech for people on a path of liberation than just you know kind of a basic lay ethical life. And so we're going to explore these the speech part. Uh, probably we'll do it over the next two uh, Fridays that we meet here, and. Um, and so we'll st- uh, this is the topic for today is um, basically right speech and how it's understood in these ten skillful actions. So the Dharma practice days, for those of you who are new, are days where 
uh, we explore some Dharma topic in a variety of different ways. Uh, there's some meditation, some guided meditation, some reflection, contemplation like we just did. There's a little bit of teaching about topic. And um, there's exercises we do and discussions we have. And those discussions can happen many different ways. Sometimes they happen uh, in kind of paired exercises, one-on-one to have a discussion or an exercise around the topic. Sometimes a small group, sometimes as, a, as a larger groups as well. And a little bit, uh, this idea is to, uh, in a more f- maybe organized way, replicate a little bit the way that the Dharma practice is, uh, is practiced in um, traditional like monastic setting. The monks and nuns in a monastery, um, you know, their whole life is committed to the Dharma practice. And so they run into each other. They work, they have free time together, they do all kinds of practice together. And so it's pretty normal for them to have conversations. The teacher in the monastery will give a Dharma talk. Then later everyone kind of talks about it. What's your experience of that? How do you understand that? Living together, having community, practicing together. It's a really important way of practicing the Dharma. And so in a less lay life here, when we don't live together, uh, in order to have intentional conversations around the Dharma practice, we have to we tend to organize it a little bit more like what we have today. So uh, to make it richer and fuller, the whole experience. So that's the pl- plan for today. Uh, there's basically, we divide the day into four sessions and um, then we'll have a little break in between. In the morning, we'll have a mid-morning break between the two morning sessions and a mid-afternoon uh, break between the two afternoon sessions. And then we have lunch together at around noon or so, 12.15, 12.30, and, um, for, for an hour. And the way we do uh, Dharma practice days, we, this is not a silent day, so lunch can be talking, and the idea of having community, being able to talk to other practitioners is an important part of it. So as if you'd like to talk during lunch, we set up tables and you can sit around and chat and continue the discussion if you'd like. Um, that's kind of the idea for the day. For those of you who are new, there's bathrooms in the back of the building. There's uh, tea you can have anytime. Um, the hot uh, water kind of dispensers there on the counter. There's teas in the drawers, I guess. And so uh, Don is the manager today. Thank you, Don. So if you have any questions about being here, Don is the manager. You can check in with her. And um, so I think that's usually all I need to say for that. Any questions about the day? Like, seems clear. Fair enough. Okay. So the premise being that um, something different happens ethically if you're mindful and sensitive than you're not. And so the, the cultivation development of mindfulness has an impact on our ethical behavior. Uh, it's, uh, if you're very, very, uh, it's easier to kill, certainly, hopefully not people, but it's even easier to kill animals if you're a little bit, if you're not so connected in a mindful way to the animal, if you ha- really are sensitive and open and present to yourself and the animal, I think it's more difficult. Even insects. Uh, same thing with um, independent of whether you should or shouldn't kill, what you think if it's right or wrong. I think with, if there's kind of a sensitivity to the living being that's there, it changes our relationship. And uh, we make different choices because of it. The same thing if we have a... Um, as, you know, if we're attentive and present and really mindful of ourselves and mindful of others, then um, the, um, 
it's more difficult to uh, want to steal from them. It's more difficult to want to engage in sexual misconduct and hurt people through our sexuality if we're really present and sensitive to ourselves and what's going on here and what's going on to the other person. Um, and generally, when people do uh, kill, steal, and lie, they're, they're cut off in some way to something, either to themselves in some deep way, or they're cut off from the living experience of the other person and being connected to it. Sometimes the other person becomes an object and, or becomes inhuman even, and that's what allows for it. So same thing with speech. If uh, we're grounded in ourselves, we speak very differently than if we're disconnected with ourselves. And probably all of you had, had experience of being disconnected if you're frazzled and in a hurry and impatient and have a headache and have to get a lot of stuff done and the traffic is terrible and people are cutting you off and irritating you, doing things they shouldn't be doing. It's, it might be easy to just spew, spew out some kind of <clears throat> words <laughs> that, um, you know, you would never dream of doing if you just were, had just had a very nice, sweet, meal and conversation with a good friend and you're both relaxed and setting, sit, settling back and you know just sitting there on the porch looking at the sky and just everything's good and you don't turn to your friend and say you know you <laughs> you know you wouldn't do the same things as you do and you know in, in your you know in those more challenging harried situations and not that any of you would do that but there are people who behave differently when they're stressed than if they're relaxed. And the, and the ethics of our behavior varies depending if we're stressed or relaxed. So this is the point. So, so how do we behave differently? <clears throat> so the question now is, how do we speak differently? And how do we listen differently depending upon how mindful we are, how grounded and centered we are in ourselves? So that's the kind of the interesting topic that I would like you to discuss. But I'd like you to discuss it this way. I'd like you to um, uh, take about three or four minutes for one of you to just kind of do a monologue on what your thoughts are about this topic. <clears throat> Whatever comes up for you, explore it out loud. How is it? How is your speech, how you speak, <clears throat> how you listen and how you speak, both of those, how you listen how you speak, how does that uh, vary depending on how centered you are in your mindfulness practice, how grounded you are, how how strong your mindfulness of yourself and the other person might be. So how does your mindfulness affect how you listen and how you speak? Or your lack of mindfulness? How does your stress affect how you listen and how you speak? That's the topic. <clears throat> the instruction, as while you do it, is to stay mindful and grounded as you have this conversation. To the best of your ability, try to speak in a mindful, being connected way and notice a tendency sometimes when we speak to lose ourselves because we're so interested in what we're saying. And then, um, especially as a listener, listen mindfully, attentively, but try to come from being as mindful and as attentive as you can to the person that you're listening to. See what it's like to um, be attentive, but not just, to the, not just to the person, like I just said, but also to yourself. One of the nice rules of thumb <clears throat> is 50% of your attention to the person you're listening to 50% uh, to yourself, um, to your body, to your experience. Does this make sense, what the exercise is? 
And, uh, and the question? So, are you game? Good. So why don't you uh, find someone to partner with and uh, when you're ready, you can start and after about four minutes or so, I'll ring a bell and then you can switch and the other person can, um, can have a turn. So, um, any comments or questions from what's happened so far this morning? Anything you'd like to say? What happened for you in the guided meditation, guided reflection, in the discussions you had in pairs or in the group of four? Or? I wasn't privy to any of it, so I don't know what happened. Is that the, is that the pink one? Oh, the pink one. Yeah, yes, okay. Hello. Okay. Um, I found that um, when I was in the first exercise... <laughs> is, it, is the green light on? Yeah, that one's broken. Yeah. In the first exercise, I found that if I was dividing my attention 50% on listening and 50% on myself, yet having attention on myself blocked my, the listening. Mm. Blocked your listening. There are some people who give the instructions that um, all your attention should be on yourself uh, when you listen. And uh, with the assumption that be not, not preoccupied with yourself, but uh, quietly mindful, because you'll, you'll listen anyway. So... Doesn't work with me? Doesn't work for you. That's interesting. <laughs> so so it, might, it, it might well wor- be worth studying what you're doing, what's happening for you. So I don't know you well enough. Um, it's possible that for you, uh, that the mindfulness maybe is, involves thinking about what's happening. And so if you're thinking about yourself, then of course then it's going to be hard to listen to someone else. But if mindfulness is not so much thinking about what's going on in the present moment, but more kind of a silent witnessing, silent awareness, then there's plenty of room to, to hear as well. How do you do silent awareness? Well, it would be, it would be kind of like maybe um, uh, if you were walking on rough ground, with a, walking with a friend and talking, and you're walking on rough ground, uh, you know, it's not so rough that you have to give your full attention to the ground, but you have to give some attention to the ground, maybe 50% to kind of find your way, but you still easily hear your friend talking. And, you know, you don't have to think about the ground. You're like, oh, where should I put my foot now? But you're present for the ground and experiencing, you're seeing it, you're feeling your footing as you go along. And so it's a kind of a silent awareness of the ground and your feet because you're not thinking about it and you're listening to your friend at the same time. I'd call that about 10%. Okay, good. It might be nice also if uh, when, you, when you're speaking, say your name so we all kind of get to know each other more in the course of the day. I'm Judy. Um, in our group, we talked about when we're listening, whether we give nonverbal feedback to one another. And we wanted to give some feedback that we understood and we thought that that communicated and set up a relationship. But we wanted to let the other person 
have as much freedom as possible and not interfere with what the person might be saying next or something like that. And so we just kind of talked all around it. Talked around that topic. So the importance of listening, but in an empathic way that shows you're connected. Interesting. I once, many years ago, did an exercise with people where I said, you had one person speak and the other person just listen. But the listener was must make no reaction whatsoever. No nodding, no speaking. And just just listen kind of impassively kind of. And uh, people did not, did not like that exercise. <laughs> Another example in our group was sometimes in therapy, the person will be lying on a couch so they don't have to deal with whatever the listener is communicating. Yeah. And some like it and some don't. Yeah. And in our group, the listener didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thank you. Other comments? I was noticing when I was um, in the guided meditation and asked if I was if I was going to say something from that place the the things to say were all more like sounds you know (laughs) that's like my body speaking Um, and if I start thinking about words then I lose some of the connection to to my body Mm, nice thank you Maybe a little tangential, but um, when you were talking about the split awareness of mindfulness uh, and listening, um, there are some um, people who feel that folks who doodle, people who doodle listen better, Ah. and that there are, um, I have some colleagues who, when they teach with a bunch of very antsy people, they provide toys. These are for adults. Yeah. They provide little squeezy things and bouncy things. Um, and they really feel the attention on what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of conversation. But mm-hmm. is is heightened because people aren't constantly trying to restrain themselves from uh, being fidgety. Nice. Nice. Okay. Thank you. So that's the foundation for today. And uh, so we'll take a break. And let's start again... Uh, in um, can we start? Can we start again in here in twenty minutes? I guess at uh, ten after eleven. And uh, so have tea and hang out a little bit if you want. Go to the bathroom, and then we'll start again at ten after eleven. Thank you. So, did you turn up the heater? So the heater's been turned up in case you were cold. How many of you are cold? Some of you are cold. You want to, so, so hopefully it'll go on. And so um, the fourth of the five precepts and the fourth of the skillful actions is not lying, not engaging in false speech. And, um, or to say it positively, to uh, speak the truth. 
And some people prefer to state these things positively, but the challenge of a positive statement is that, uh, say, I'm only going to speak what's true, is I believe it's more ambiguous what the truth is than it is what is a lie. Maybe there can be some ambiguity. You can argue ambiguity and lying also, what's true, what's false. But I think it's clear what's false. It's clear when there's an intention to speak a mistruth, to not say, to not say the truth. Uh, it's clear that it is to say, I'm going to speak the... You might be in, very much intending to say, speak the truth, but some, you know, it's like, well, what is the truth? <laughs> you know, what actually you know, is the true thing to say here? So the advantage of the negative statement is more clarity and it's the avoidance of uh, lying, of speaking mistruth. Uh, it's said in the kind of the, the legends, the myth of Buddhism, that um, in the many, many lifetimes that the person who became the Buddha took to train, they say, the legends are that it takes many, many lifetimes to do the personal training to prepare yourself to the lifetime where you're going to get, get to be a Buddha. And so in all those lifetimes, hundreds of thousands of lifetimes that this person trained, the, um, the per- he, uh, he broke all the precepts except one. And the one precept he never broke was uh, the precept of not to lie. There's something so centrally important about not lying that the myth, myth keeps, that's the one thing that the Bodhisattva didn't break. It's, it's so important. And, um, but then people will very quickly... I mean, the times I've taught about this, you'd be re- it's really remarkable to me how quickly people want to say, well, certainly it's okay to lie in those circumstances. And that's kind of... It's very, it strikes me as how quickly people want to say that. Um, of course, maybe... Not of course, but yes, there are all kinds of considerations about when maybe to lie. And maybe, there's, maybe there's a time to lie, and I'm not going to say it is, but what strikes me is how quickly people want to justify it. I don't know what that's about. The, um, but the, the one kind of absolute, I think, precept in Buddhism uh, about lying and truth is it's never okay to lie to yourself. So it might be okay, maybe, it's, maybe if the Nazis come here and they say, is Gil here? <laughs> you know, maybe would say, who's Gil? You know, I, I don't know who he is. But, um, but it's never okay to lie to oneself. And that's a kind of high standard. You know, what, is, what does that look like to lie to oneself? And when do we deceive ourselves or delude it or something? So Buddhism puts you know, a lot of emphasis on truth. I think of truth and being truthful as being synonymous with mindfulness. I like to think of that uh, honesty is mindfulness out loud. To be mindful is to be honest, is to be, recognize what's actually happening, to what's real, what's here. And I, I, I bring these two together very closely. It's a very important uh, precept and way of living. So the first of the... So, so in the ten skillful actions, as I said, there are four of the actions have to do with speech. And um, so it all have to do with not causing harm. So not lying can cause harm. Um, uh, divisive or malicious speech causes harm. Harsh speech is, is kind of when you're harsh in a way that causes harm. And then gossip is also divisive. Uh, causes harm, can, can, can cause harm. 
So to avoid causing harm. So the first one we're going to look at now is uh, lying, not lying. And I thought uh, to make this personal so it becomes a personal reflection and rather than something abstract, I thought an, a nice topic would be for you to pair up with someone again and provide uh, a... Um, you only have to speak what you're comfortable saying. You don't have to... This is, this is not like full confession. And um, so just, just as you're comfortable to... to reveal something about yourself. But uh, uh, with your partner, uh, give an account, story, of your relationship to lying. Uh, inc- including, what, did you, what, what, what are the, some of the lessons you've learned over your lifetime about lying and speaking the truth? Um, you know, some people learn in the family origin or in growing up in, among their friends or growing up in particular societies what's, uh, you know, that lying is okay in certain circumstances or just that's what you do and, or you don't lie. Maybe your family had a very high ethical standard. So what are things you learned? What's your history with this topic of lying? And what's your relationship to lying? And how's that been over your lifetime? Now, this is not a two-hour session to probably spend about five, six minutes on each person. So you have to kind of try to do it succinctly. And as you do this kind of conversation... A really useful guideline is to consider that you're you're speaking for the sake of the person who you are no, for your for your own sake. You're not speaking for the person. You're not informing someone. It isn't so important to let them know the the, the listener to know everything about you and that they really have to understand. Um, uh, you're really speaking for yourself so that you can do a, a personal guide uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, exploration. And so the idea is to kind of stretch yourself and explore yourself and try to understand yourself in a new way around this topic. So don't worry about it being coherent necessarily or that you don't have to explain all the gory details because um, uh, it's for your own sake, not for the sake... The, the, the listener is really a witness as you do the exploration for yourself. So it's a different way of talking than conventional talking. That make sense. So, um, so what is your relationship? What's been your, the relationship over your lifetime, over the, the, over the, over lying? What's your relationship to lying? Your relationship over your lifetime? How's it changed? What have you learned growing up around that topic? Um, and uh, and again, you don't have to share anything that you're uncomfortable with. You doesn't have to be um, just as you see fit. So, um, okay, so why don't you pair up with someone and when you're ready, you can start. And if, uh, <clears throat> if you want to sit quietly for a moment, it's, always, it's often good to check in and just part of mindfulness practice is to make a habit of checking in with yourself and What's happening? Okay, so then next, 
So I imagine that uh, with a topic like this, that it could be appropriate to have some follow-up discussion, just to debrief, check in with each other, just have an open discussion, follow-up. Um, anything that feels that you want to share or reflect on or add or just whatever seems to be a follow-up based on that kind of sharing with each other seems appropriate. If nothing else, just to express your gratitude that someone shared the topic. And um, so we'll take a few minutes for that. So <clears throat> for the next step, if um, uh, your group can join two other groups. So there were, <clears throat> there were, there were nine pairs, so there could be three groups of three. <clears throat> um, different topics. So again, the, the offering you're going to make hopefully is relatively brief, but not, hopefully you don't feel constrained in your offering. And the first question <clears throat> is, um, what harm can come from lying? <clears throat> so we'll just take again just a two or three minutes uh, before we take uh, lunch break, but to hear a little bit from you uh, what that was like, questions, concerns, um, did this stir anything up for you, did this settle something in you, uh, what... Yeah, yeah, it's not, try, try. She, she put up the slider just now. Yeah. Just speak, just go ahead. giving me that little extra push to uh, be a little more courageous in the situation so that I can tell the truth and talk to this person that I do want to be more truthful with so that I can have more um, a better and uh, closer, more honest relationship with. So thank you. Great. Thank you very much. It was nice. Someone else? We were talking about on a personal level how the truth can kind of set people free. And I was just thinking after our group about how um, 
on a like it can really solve big huge problems in the world and i remember when occupy was going on it was all this stuff about well it do, it's not going to work it didn't work they don't have a plan you know but it did because they all they did was just say the truth and it, and everybody heard and it was like all of a sudden people woke up in a way that really you could see how it changed things so that that was like power really powerful mm. truth how powerful it is nice great well thank you i i really appreciate sitting here watching you guys speak it felt uh, felt kind of tender and meaningful just to to see people engage in this kind of conversation with a kind of intent that you seem to have so thank you very much for that so we'll take an hour now for 